Well, I have to say that I am less nervous than I was last time I came. Because if uh, you remember, I had no voice. As Anne said, I woke up on that Monday with literally sounding like Darth Vader and unable to speak. And uh, I I really do remember this place as a place of miracles. Because um, really before, I remember when we were singing over there and nothing was coming out. And and I do remember feeling pretty desperate that I'd got half an hour and no voice and just didn't know and then I remember looking up and seeing what you have written in this beautiful church that to him who overcomes I will make him a pillar in the uh, in the house of God or to her who overcomes in my case and I was speaking on being an overcomer and uh, just for that time I had my voice went home tried to explain to someone what had just happened and literally again had no voice so it was almost like manna just given for that well hopefully it was (laughs) you might not think it was manna you might be sitting there thinking I wish you'd carried on losing her voice but anyway um, it is lovely to be asked back that's always lovely and uh, I really do sense as Anne said just God's presence with us tonight and thank you so much for that uh, really beautiful time of worship so the title for tonight is does my God look big in this and uh, forgive me for a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek title there because we all know what we obsess about and it's not always that question but it does have many of the same words in it Um, but I, I just wonder today whether your God is as big as he wants to be And uh, I can say that because it's something that God challenged me. This summer, I had a significant birthday, and there'll be prizes at the end for the most generous guests, uh, the kindest guests, I should say. And uh, got 16 of us together. We went to a beach house in Sulcombe. It's not quite Hawaii, but it's very beautiful, uh, if any of you know it, in South Devon. And we had a glorious week. Uh, It was just, in every way, a real blessing and a smile from God, really, on what could have been a difficult uh, birthday So there you go. And uh, one of the days I was sitting out before everyone else was up, just sitting out on the decking and enjoying the morning sunshine and doing my uh, little devotional time. And you know, sometimes when God just absolutely floors you with something, just reading my notes, and suddenly there was this little excerpt from Prince Caspian uh, written by C.S. Lewis and the the Narnia Chronicles. And uh, it's when Lucy, who met Aslan the Lion, if you remember in Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, good, good, wonderful. All right, we're all C.S. Lewis fans here. And um, she first meets in Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, this wonderful lion representing God called Aslan, who is strong and powerful, and he's not safe, but he is good. I love that bit. And uh, she completely is, uh, is uh, really... Um, been captured by Aslan. But then in Prince Caspian, some years later, when she herself is older, she meets Aslan again and she sees him and she says, how come you are bigger? Which is interesting if you think she was smaller last time she met him. And she says, how come you are bigger? And Aslan says, he says, every year that you know me, I will grow bigger. And I just suddenly thought, is that me in this significant year of my life? Has God grown bigger for me every year that I've known him? Because I've known him since I was 19, so that's quite a time now. Is he growing bigger? And so that is the question I wanted us to look at tonight. How big is our God in the situations that you and I face today? Because they're big, aren't they? 
some of the situations. I'm a pastor, so I know just how big some of the situations that each of you are facing. So let's look to the Word. That's always a wonderful place to encourage our hearts. And we're looking at Psalm 103. We've just been singing some of the words from this psalm in at least two of the choruses there. And I'm just going to read uh, the first um, 15 verses. So this is a psalm of David. Beautiful psalm. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. There's so much in that uh, from the psalmist uh, as he says in a way how big his God is. And I wanted to just do a monologue for us uh, by way of introduction, really. Um, and this, is, uh, this was written by me on another significant birthday a few years back. Uh, and uh, I was really reflecting on my life and just thinking, how many years? I've no idea how many years I'll be given. But I wonder if this is about halfway. And if it is, what's the score at halftime? Uh, so this is called Halftime Score. Uh, the character is called Leanne. And uh, she's a character that's quite close to my heart. Uh, she's a Scouser, so apologies to all uh, Scousers here. Um, and uh, she's really just looking at her life as it is and reflecting on, really, is she making the most of this life that she's been given? I go for a makeover a week on Friday. <laughs> oh, I've dabbled before, you know, a bit of Clarins, a bit of Clinique across the counter in boots. But I've always ended up feeling rather tarty and overdone. <laughs> My John didn't really notice the last time they did me over. <laughs> I said to him, hey, John, do I look at all different to you? He goes, yeah. Nice new top, love. Back to being Jedi Knight. <laughs> it's his favourite game at the moment. We even bought him one of those lightsabers, you know, that it lights up when you wave it around, but he broke it and it had to go back to the shop. <laughs> John's my husband, by the way. <laughs> He's not my little boy. Although sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? Oh, don't get me wrong. 
does not mind the way I look. He always says to me, Leanne, you look fine. (laughs) Fine? Who in their right minds wants to look fine, eh? Do you? Fine is a cloudy day, isn't it? Isn't it? When you wanted a scorcher, fine is nil-nil at the footy at half-time when your knees are a walkover, isn't it? Do you know what? That's how I feel about my life. I feel like it's nil-nil at half-time and I don't know how to make the second half count. wonder what the coach would say to me back in the dressing room. Leanne would say, you've made a lot of very obvious mistakes. <laughs> He'd say that about my life, I know he would. He did a lot of running about, but he never really made any impact on the game. <laughs> so, that's me. Nil-nil at half-time and in desperate need of a makeover. I fancy one of those all-over jobs, like they used to do on Richard and Judy. Do you remember how they told them how to do their hair, what colour would set them off, what to wear for their shape? My mate Kath had one done. On the telly, she looked fabulous when they'd done her over. She looked amazing. Saw her a couple of days after in Asda. (laughs) I went over to her, actually, and I said, Oh, hey, Kath, I hope you don't mind me saying love, but you looked a million dollars on that programme. You did, you really did. She said, Oh, I know. I felt it. I really felt it. Now I feel about £3.50. <laughs> you know, we laugh, but it's true, isn't it? It's hard to feel a million dollars when you're breastfeeding a baby and tripping over a tweenie most of the day long. You can't be rubbing on the all-over cellulite cream then, can you? You see, we women, we're supposed to have all these roles that we're supposed to play at the same time. They say we're great jugglers, that we've got to keep all these balls in the air. You know, we've got to be a wife, a lover, a friend, a mother, a domestic goddess. That Nigella's got a lot to answer for, hasn't she? Well, I'll tell you something, shall I? My hands are tired and the balls are flying everywhere. You see, I just need somebody. I need somebody like that coach who'd have a look at my life and he'd say, well, look at her. Look at that one. I could really, really work with her. So watch stuff things up. Doesn't matter to me. Get back in the game, girl. Wouldn't that be great? If somebody just believed in me and my life that much. You're thinking, what's the link with? <laughs> and back to Psalm 103. Um, what, what's so interesting about that, uh, that monologue, and as I said, she's a character that is close to my heart, and I hope resonates at least a little bit with each of you, because sometimes we have absolutely no clue just how much is in us. I think if we really knew that, we would trust him a whole lot more than we do. That he is for us and not against us. 
that he is that coach, absolutely on the sidelines and in the center of our life, cheering us on in everything that we come across, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, all of it, and we'll always be more than just fine to him. That sense of his absolute adoration. And David, the psalmist, somehow got that, didn't he? He got it from very early on that God was for him and that he could take on the Goliaths, the, the enemies, because of that. And in this psalm, what he does is he really shows us three important things that I want to draw out just over the next quarter of an hour, really, of how it is that God can get bigger. Because just like me on my decking in Sulcombe, I hope that you tonight want a bigger God in 2014 than you had in 2013. Because life is getting bigger, problems are getting bigger, the weather's getting tougher. There was a prayer in the sun, apparently, on Saturday that you could say about the weather. Um, but actually, genuinely, life is getting tough for so people and we need a big God this nation needs a bigger God than it has it needs the kind of Aslan God that isn't safe but is good that actually is turning this country and this world around so let's look at what the psalmist does he does three things really how does he make God bigger? Well, firstly, he magnifies the name of God. We've been doing that already, but he actually magnifies who God is. He doesn't come with a shopping list like many of us do when we praise and pray. He absolutely says, this is who you praise your holy name. This is who God is to me. That's how he begins. And uh, we've been as a church doing a series on prayer. We've been encouraging each other to start place of adoration like Leanne to receive the adoration of the, the coach that is our God who believes in us and then to say God you are able you are holy you are wonderful you are magnificent then in the second verse he goes on to thank God he says forget not all his benefits we'll look at in verses two to four and then finally he says he trusts God in every situation so if we go on to uh, the, the next slide, Martin, thank you. Uh, you'll see here, I've just put a few, just a few names of God, and you'll be able to add your own here, of really, if we're lifting up the name of God, if you're thinking now, maybe think of a circumstance or a problem or a challenge that you are facing right now, and just listen to what these names are. Shalom means that he is your peace. He is our peace. So whatever the situation is, he is our peace. He is Jehovah Jireh, one of the ones we know, those of us who were around singing in the 80s, uh, actually that he is our provider, the one who sees, the one who provides. So if you're in a situation where you're worried about debt, I know a lot of people are at the moment, you're worried about whether he will provide for you and your loved ones, he is Jehovah Jireh. The fact that he is Yahweh, I am who I am, beyond that God of mystery, that God who is, who is beyond what we could possibly hope for or imagine. Jehovah Rapha, the healer, I've heard testimonies already of just that inner healing, that cleansing, that healing that he longs to bring. And some of perhaps the less well-known ones, uh, Yeshua there is, is like Jesus, isn't it? And it means that he is the saviour. And uh, David in this psalm says, you're the one that's forgotten. You're choosing not to remember my sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't see the sin of your past. 
you are forgiven it. If you are sorry, it is under the sea. Corrie ten Boom used to have a lovely expression. It is under the sea, and there's a sign above it saying, no fishing. We're very good at fishing. So if that's you, put the rod down tonight and say, the past is the past. It is under his forgiveness, that he is that Yesaya. He's Adonai, the master. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's Sophia, wisdom. And one of the less well-knowns here is that he is Sabaoth, I think that's the right pronunciation, that says he's the commander of the angel armies concerning you. He's the commander of the angel armies concerning you. That's taken in Isaiah and also in 1 Kings. Now that should encourage us, shouldn't I? I hope you look a little bit encouraged. But that encourages me because that's who the God is above our circumstance that we face. That's who the God is. And there are many, many more names. There's a lovely book called Praying the Names of God that I would uh, recommend on that. So he begins in this place of absolute bringing up the name of God, holding up the name of God, and actually saying, God, you are God, and I love you no matter what. That's how he begins the psalm. But then, right on to the second verse, he says, forget not his benefits. And I wonder today whether you and I have an attitude of gratitude. That's something someone in Salt Mine used to always say to me. used to irritate me at times, you know, on a a difficult morning loading the van and saying, have you got an attitude of gratitude? And you're thinking, not now, no, not really. But actually, that is where David is really singing praise. He's singing praise to this God who is above all things, but he's doing it from a place of real deep gratitude. If we look at the next slide, Martin, thank you. There's a lovely quote from Einstein. He says this, there are two ways to live as if nothing is a miracle or as if everything is. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be much closer to the second one of those. Because actually, those of us who work with children or have children or grandchildren or around children see this beautiful wonder, this beautiful wonder that they have often in God and in God's world. And I wonder sometimes as we grow older, whether not only does our wonder start to get eroded by tough, tough things, but actually our God starts to shrink. So that the God we once believed in, perhaps some of you when you were as little as five or six, was huge. Was able to do immeasurably more than you could hope for or imagine. But things have happened in your life that have made him shrink. And circumstances that are so incredibly tough have left such scars that he's become very, very small. And if that's you, and it's certainly been me in my life, as I shared a little bit last time, I want to say to you, make him bigger again with your praises, with your thanksgiving, and trust him with your circumstances, that power redemption, that power that we're going to come on to, to redeem your life from the pit. Living as if everything is a miracle. Now that seems a bit excessive, but you know what he means. He did a whole study of this, that actually somehow the world was losing its wonder in secularism. And uh, we're the same, aren't we, today? Secularism is eroding the Christian wonder, the beautiful wonder that is the heartbeat of our faith. I was working in Bulgaria when I was with Salt Mine, 
And uh, we went to an orphanage there called Dragdanovo. And uh, the orphanages there are a little bit different to perhaps some, in some other countries in that they're almost like uh, what we used to call a borstal or a young offender's place. And people would go there really for stealing potatoes or for stealing an apple. A little girl I met called Maria was there for stealing an apple to feed her family. And you can't quite believe that this is only a few years ago. And uh, we went into Dragdanovo. We'd sent quilts that we'd made from salt mine there uh, the year before. And we went in to see these quilts uh, on the bed. And it was this very grey, prisony kind of place with these children living in it in bright colours and misshapen clothes. And many of you will have visited places that are similar. And uh, there was one little boy who took my hand. He was only very small. And he took me to show me the quilt. I think he probably thought I'd made them. <laughs> I'm not a seamstress and promise you I hadn't made any of them. But, you know, I took the credit and um, took his little hand and uh, went. Now, he spoke no English. I spoke no Bulgarian. But he showed me the quilt on his bed just with the most delighted face that he had a cover for his bed. That was it. He had a cover for his bed. And then, on the table next to each of these beds, a little bit like prisons in this country, there's a way of laying out your possessions that kind of gives you a little bit of status. Now, in some prisons, it's just loads of uh, cordials and sprays and all sorts of things that they can get from the shop. But actually, in this place, it was just little toys that they had. And some of the other children had more toys, but all he had was one calendar with pictures of animals on And of course, being a bit of a lovey, I went over to it and made a huge fuss of this calendar. He probably thought there's this strange woman from England who's obsessed with foxes because he had this fox picture and I was just stroking it and going, oh, how lovely, how beautiful. It's beautiful, lovely, and stroking the fox. He's probably thinking she she needs to get out more or whatever. But... um, Anyway, his little face lit up and I thought, I've made him feel really good. You know, in my Western way, I've made him feel really good that he has a calendar. He may not have the teddies that the others have, but he has a calendar. And then we uh, spent the day with him and did some drama with him and so on. And then at the end of the day is the horrible bit, isn't it, where you have to leave them and get on the coach to say goodbye. And as we were going, this little hand came to pull my and uh, there was this little boy, all lit up, uh, just a tiny little boy. And uh, there he was, holding out this calendar. And it's one of those moments that I will always remember. I do still have the calendar. Um, but he gave it to me, and I, it's just where you think, what do you do now? You know, that's all he had, apart from the quilt on his bed. That was all he seemed to have, and the clothes he was standing in. That's probably true. Um, But actually, you have to take it. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And his little face showed me that verse more than anything I've ever seen. Just, I am giving this to you, crazy English woman who loves foxes. Because you loved it so much. So totally backfired what I was trying to do. But it's something, I'm quite a materialistic person. I grew up in Surrey, and uh, I grew up thinking materialism would really make me happy in a whole host of ways. And to an extent, um, it, it probably did for a time. But actually, I need to keep that calendar. Why? So that I have an attitude of gratitude. The heart that actually holds the things of this world more lightly. He knew he didn't really need that to be happy. And uh, it's interesting somehow how children so often are our teachers. Sin entered the world when? 
in the garden when Adam and Eve stopped being grateful. So for a time, we don't know how long, they had it good. And then what did they think? They thought there's one thing we're not allowed out of all of this paradise. What's the one thing we can't have? What's the one thing where we've been told we can't eat from the tree of knowledge? So what do we want to do? We want that. And we can be condemnatory about it, or we can think, well, that's me. Because I've got so much. We have got so much. Really, we have. I know we've, we've got pain and we've got struggles, but actually, we are blessed. We're blessed to be together as women tonight. We're blessed to have this building. We're blessed to have people in our lives. And actually, in this country, there's a lot to be grateful for. And sometimes it's a discipline, and we're going to look at that in a moment, but actually sometimes it's a discipline whereby we come to God and we say, forget not all his benefits, and we do more than that. We list them. Instead of our usual shopping list prayers, when we're saying, you do this for me and you do that for me, we come to God and we say, I want to tell you all that you've done. I want to thank you for all that you've done. In daily life, we must see that it is not happiness that makes us grateful, but it is gratitude that makes us happy. I'll read that again, little quote I read the other day. In daily life, we must see that it is not happiness that makes us grateful, but it is our gratitude that makes us happy. Some of the most happy and contented and radiant people I have ever met are in Africa, are in Bulgaria, are in places of the world where they have so little, and yet they are so grateful. Have we lost our wonder? Is our God shrinking? And actually, how will our gratitude, the scientists knew that our gratitude would make God bigger. And even as you go home tonight or in the worship time, to thank him for all his goodness will make him bigger again. Even where you've been wounded, even where you've been hurt, to actually say, God, I want you to be bigger this year. And so I'm going to think about all the ways that you have blessed me. Forget not all his benefits. There's a lovely little slide there of uh, gratitude written in the sand, just to be a grateful person. If we go on to the the next slide there, I am grateful for. We're going to have time where we write a psalm together in a few moments where we're able to do that. I wonder if we could just go on to the next slide. We're rattling through a little bit. Martin's doing a wonderful job. Um, This is a quote that really encourages me that I wanted to share with you as we we draw to the end. And uh, it's, um, I've tried to highlight some of it, but it says this, religion has made us obsessive almost beyond endurance, but Jesus invited us to a dance and we've turned it into a march of soldiers, always checking to see if we're doing it right and are in step and in line with the other soldiers. We know a dance should be more fun, but we believe we must go through hell to get to heaven. So we keep marching. When I read that, there's two emotions, really. There's that sense that I know I'm very tough on myself. And as women, we are very tough on ourselves very often. But Jesus has come that we would have life and have it in all its fullness. He's invited to us to a dance, and yet we've made it a march. The Pharisees made it a march, and Jesus tried to turn it into a dance. 
And actually what he wants for you tonight is a sense of freedom, a sense of that childlike wonder, that childlike celebration of all that he has. So let's dance more. Some of you were actually uh, dancing already, but let's dance more in our lives. Let's not march in a way that is religious because Jesus said that he wanted you to experience life in all its fullness. We were just singing, let me be singing when the evening comes. There's a lovely uh, book called The Song of the Nightingale, which uh, was written by Helen Bahani uh, when she was uh, in Eritrea, um, when she was in prison for her faith, whether she was living in a container for some of the time. Uh, just absolutely horrific situations. But, you know, she says in that time, her faith has never been bigger. Her God has never been bigger. Because when everything else is taken away, she says this, how can I keep from singing? Quite hard to imagine, isn't it? I don't think it would be my first response. Do you? You know, we're put into a container, driven miles from home, whipped, beaten. She was thrown to the floor. She was asked to stop teaching the other prisoners about her faith. But she said, how can I keep from singing? And she said, it seems to me that nightingales, even though they know they were going to die, would go there singing. And she says she will do the same. So my challenge to us as we close is we magnify him, we thank him, but how much do we trust him? Are the wounds on your heart so great that you don't feel you can reach out your hand tonight and say, you know, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to make you bigger. Even though my circumstances seem so big to me, think back to Lucy and the lion, that actually he's getting bigger as she's growing bigger. He's not shrinking When I worked in Glasgow on a mission, uh, we met some people there who were just on fire for Jesus, just absolutely radiant, going out, working with uh, all sorts of gangs in that really tough area near East Kilbride in Glasgow. And uh, they told me their story of how faith began. They're both criminals, the two main leaders of gangs, and uh, they had done everything that this world says to do to have good times. And they had ended up in really, really tough times. They'd ended up squatting. They'd ended up with no money, and uh, they had, one of them had a chance to turn it around by going to a job centre, but he had no clean shirt to put on. That's how bad things were. They were dirty, they were squatting, and they had a radio, and on the radio there was that thought for the day that I remember growing up hearing my parents listen to, and I think uh, still happens on Radio 4, and um, They said on that, they said, even if you have the tiniest bit of faith, ask God, trust him in the small things and he will grow bigger. And so these two Glaswegian guys just thought, what have we got to lose? They had absolutely nothing, and they couldn't even find a clean shirt to go to this job center. So one of them prayed this prayer, and he said it was sincere, but he thought, I'll try out this God thing. And he just thought, I'll pray. And he said, God, if you want me to go to this job center, I need a clean shirt. We've got no money. I need washing powder. And that was it, his prayer. And then just towards the middle of the day, uh, somebody in that area was putting through those sachets of washing powder in every door on that council estate where they were squatting. And through the door came a sachet of washing powder. And he would say his journey of faith began with a sachet of washing powder. And he now, or he certainly did a couple of years ago, was working with some of the toughest gangs in Glasgow, 
with incredible faith, just faith that would blow your mind, you know, just amazing. And yet, how did it begin? It began with him saying, all I can believe you for, God, if you're even real, is washing powder. And so what I've learned in life in my uh, few years now is that actually whatever tonight you have faith for, believe for that. Believe for that. If you're so done in and wounded and battered that you can only just believe for something small, believe for that and God will grow bigger again. As Anne was saying earlier, testimony, even hearing that testimony, faith rises in us. It rises in us. We've just had someone lose a baby this week. Just to hear that just makes me think faith needs to rise. I hear so much bad news as a pastor. And yet I love it when we hear testimony that actually, again, faith will rise in us. That even if we have faith like a mustard seed, then actually we can trust him and that trust will grow. I'm out of time. I just want to really finish by saying to you these three things. Let's be women in 2014 who magnify him who make God bigger for those around us, for those in our streets, for those we work alongside. Let's be those who take a magnifying glass almost to who God is and show just how big he really is because we live in a nation who desperately, desperately need to know of his love. Like Leanne at the beginning, just wanting somebody who would believe in her. And we've got this God who believes in them. And yet they don't know his name. Secondly, be people of thanksgiving. It will change your countenance. It will be the best beauty treatment you could come across. It always makes me laugh, these before and after things. A grateful heart is a radiant face, isn't it? That's why Africans, you know, when you go there, they're just so beautiful. So beautiful because of that radiance. And finally, trust him tonight. Trust him for what you can have faith for. And he will grow bigger. Let's pray together.